Hey, what's up, How About This listeners? It's another episode of How About This, and Jordan and I have decided that it's time to take the journey to the galaxy far, far away. And this is an ill-advised journey for us to take because we know, (laughs) just like you probably know out there in internet land, that Star Wars is like stepping on a series of landmines. So, we understand that our opinions may be wrong. We understand that we may not be as informed as many of you other Star Wars fans out there. We may also understand that Star Wars is equally the most loved and hated thing on the entire planet and in the entire galaxy. But we wanted to talk about Star Wars because how could you have a show? Like, how about this? That pitches ideas for existing franchises and how they can move forward without talking about, well, the biggest one of them all. So, sit back and kick in the hyperdrive. I have a bad feeling about this. A long time ago, in a galaxy, well, that we live in, and not that long ago, really, but in COVID time, we're not really sure how long a long time is anymore. Jordan and I decided that we were going to record a very special series of episodes, and this is them, or at least this is the first of them. So. Welcome to the newest episode of How About This, where we're tackling Star Wars. Mike, I have a question. I have a question for you. Yeah. Is is Wisa going to die? Yeah, I think Wisa going to die. Is <laughs> There is no way to tackle this topic without no. upsetting an incredibly large group of people. And We've already upset them. We've already yeah. upset them before saying anything. We said, st- and they were already mad. And they already had an opinion about how we felt about the entire film, movie, comic book, video game, TV show, franchise, mega franchise known as Star Wars. And we felt that the best way to handle Star Wars was to do it in four segments during the holiday season, because for some reason, over the last decade or so, Star Wars has very much become synonymous with the holiday season. And we're going to get more into that in in a little bit. But before we go ahead and do that, I have to go and introduce the Dark Lord of Suffolk County. Damn. Mr. Jordan Hugh. Wow. So does that make you the Jedi Knight of Nassau? I don't think so, because I don't think we're opposites. No, I don't think we're opposites either. I don't know. I, I think we're both to... gray Jedi. I'm gonna maybe I'll just say mass the, the gray master of Suffolk County, because I don't think I'm, you're a dark lord. I'm gonna say this. Mike looks mighty attractive in a Han Solo cosplay. I'm not I'm not going to disagree or agree with you on that one. You are. But... You know what you are? You are the Lord of the Vest. <laughs> Whether it's Marty McFly or Han Solo or whoever, you're Lord of the Vest. I do. I do wear vests a bunch. Even when performing, I've worn a lot of vests over the years. You're a good vest guy. I can I can make it work. You know why? It's because you can, I can wear a T-shirt under the vest because I don't really have great arms. So like, you know, you don't really I don't have to show off any arm. I can but wear you have that. great you have great calves. So you want a That's, good nice you want a nice tight pant. A nice tight and tight pant or a good capri. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you want you want something to show those those bulging calves of yours. I uh, I you know nobody I have the mo- the one muscle group of mine that's actually developed is the one nobody cares about. So it's uh it's very nice to have You know that. what? I think I think there's a subsect of people that like calves. I th- I'm sure there's like calf fetishists out there somewhere. Oh, I mean, come on. There's literally everything. Um, There's everything. If you go to the internet, you can find it. That's it. So we're talking Star Wars and it's God help us. God help us. Uh, Every time I look at my my show notes for this, I go, what what are we doing? 
this is this is like if this isn't stepping on a landmine. This is sure. stepping on a landmine, tripping and rolling down a hill that's literally a minefield. But it's inevitable. It was inevitable because if you go back and you listen through our old episodes, so many of our old episodes almost become this episode. Yes. Almost become something in the Star Wars series. Like we uh, tangentially ended up in the land of Star Wars dozens of times on this show. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think it's it's inescapable, right? Right. It's something that it's like it's it's a giant tractor beam when you talk yeah. about any of this stuff. And, you know, if you're going to talk about Batman, if you're going to talk about Spider-Man or the MCU in general, if you're going to talk about Jurassic Park or any of the other things we talked about over the over the last uh, year, year or so, you really you're going to end up talking about Star Wars at some point, whether it's tangentially in other episodes or what we're doing now. So I'm going to break down how we're going to do this over the next four episodes. So we wanted to give you this little holiday treat. So throughout the month of December, Jordan and I are going to be doing four episodes on Star Wars, okay? And it's going to cover three different eras of really kind of four different eras of Star Wars. So the first episode, this episode, we're going to be talking specifically about the prequels and the time leading up into the original trilogy between the prequels and the original trilogy. So it's this, I'm calling this like, before the prequels and before star wars right because it's not earlier than the prequels i don't think i don't think we really have any ideas that go far before the prequels i don't know i don't know your full pitch yet but it might get there a no little no, bit. no we're we're not doing the old republic or something like no, that yeah no. so in this this first episode we we're just talking about the time leading up from episode one until episode four and the reason why i say prequels and before is because while rogue one solo a star wars story are in some way, shape, or form, quote-unquote, prequels to the original Star Wars, they're not, right? They're movies that take place in the time before the original Star Wars, but they are not the Skywalker saga first three films. So the, the right. episodes one, two, and three are the Skywalker saga, and they're the beginning of the Skywalker saga. They show the rise of Darth Vader and kind of the fall. Yeah, so to be clear, they are covered in today's show. Yes, the prequels right. will so be covered the prequels, in today's show. The prequels, Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith, plus movies and things that take place around the time of Solo and Rogue One are all part of today's show. Yes, so that includes the Clone Wars. That includes Bad Batch. That includes yeah. Rebels to a degree, if we're going to get that far. This is everything that goes from episode one and leads up to right before episode four. So this is this is the beginning of Star Wars in terms of the Skywalker saga into whatever. And then next time, next episode, next week, we're going to be tackling things that happen within the original trilogy. And I would even say the time between episodes six and seven, that would be kind of what we're going to call the original trilogy. I know there are names for all these eras. I forget what they're called. This one right now is like the fall of the empire, the fall of the Republic and the rise of the empire. The second one is the, I think it's called like the age of rebellion. And then after that, the third week, we're going to do everything that happens, you know, kind of in the sequel trilogy and probably maybe a little bit after that, or maybe we decide to erase the entire sequel trilogy. We'll see. Everything that happens like episode seven period and on, I don't know what they're calling that age at this point in time. It's probably like after the fall of the empire or the empire rebuilding because the empire just comes back. And then for the fourth episode, we're going to do everything beyond Everything beyond Star, beyond that. So that is Old Republic stuff, stuff that's in the super future of Star Wars, stuff that 
happens so tangentially to the main story that it's kind of the bigger expanded universe side of things. And that's probably when we're going to get the goofiest of the ideas if our um, our guests work out uh, yeah. for these episodes. So we have some great guests coming in. There is no guest on the episode today, but we do have some great guests coming in over the next few weeks. We're going to have three episodes with three different guests. So we're very excited to do that. I think that should work out. If scheduling works out, that'll work out the way we want it to. But today we're going to go ahead and talk about the prequels leading up into episode four. But before we get into that, because I think we're going to spend a lot of time with our guests talking about this topic. What's your experience with Star Wars in general? Do you have a favorite movie in the series? And yeah, let's start with that. So we, we should acknowledge before we go forward that while you and I are fans of Star Wars, we are not like super fans. Uh, so I think there's a lot of information that we may, may get close, but not completely accurate. Yes, I, I did see that the issue is, is that I didn't read a lot of the EU stuff when it was coming out. I didn't read the right. Dark Horse comics until much later, and I didn't read as many of them. I didn't read all the Star Wars books, so I can't tell you the whole backstory of Wedge Antilles. I'm very much tuned into the original films, the prequels, the sequel movies, Mandalorian, the animated series that have come out, uh, which I've watched a bunch of. I haven't watched all of it, but I watched a bunch of. Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, I'm a big fan of that, so we will talk about that at some point in the future. That's actually probably my favorite thing that Star Wars has ever done, and uh, some of the video games that also exist within the Star Wars universe, but I can't tell you like the model number of the Millennium Falcon. I can't tell you all that stuff. I'm very much tied into, for a while, I was very much just focused in on the movies, and now that we're getting TV shows and cartoons and stuff like that, I've watched a lot of that, but I love Star Wars as a brand, and I love Star Wars as a, as a, as a franchise. So, but it's good to let everyone know that, yeah, we might get some stuff wrong and you experts out there can definitely uh, help us brush up on our Star Wars information. Right. Uh, so no, to answer your question, what's my experience with Star Wars? Um, I mean, I think going all the way back, my love for Star Wars started with my mother when I was young, before I was 10, maybe I was eight, seven or eight. Star Wars was showing on TV or something, but it wasn't the first one. Maybe it was Empire. And I kind of turned to my mom. I was at my grandmother's house and I was like, what is this? And she looked at me like I was an idiot. And she was like, you haven't seen Star Wars? No one showed you that? And I said, no. And I like looking back, I'm like, I was eight. You know, well, who was supposed to show this to me? So my mom went out or possibly my grandparents went out and they bought me this VHS box set that became sort of like the infamous box set that everyone had with the uh, collected editions of New Hope, Empire, and Jedi. And then I remember just becoming a Star Wars kid. Like, I, it was something I got into that was also, like, my first access point into the world of adults. I wasn't into Lord of the Rings yet. I hadn't read those books. But I realized that everyone knew Star Wars because I would watch these older movies, and then I was able to suddenly have a conversation with adults about them, and my, my kid brain couldn't put together that these movies were already important to people that were adult age people. But as a kid, I was still allowed to have an opinion on them. And this is kind of the story for many people. For many people, Star Wars is their first access point into nerddom. Yeah. Right. And I think this is why people are so uh, protective of it or have really strong emotional opinions about it, um, because it was the first thing that you could talk about with a lot of people. And a lot of people would have different viewpoints and perspectives. And, and it was like this great connecting point where you kind of got this, this all access pass into this huge fandom 
what you, you know, you didn't have before. And then of course, years later, we were together middle school, right? Uh, it was this, you know, every news outlet in the world was covering Lucas's new trilogy. He'd been writing it since the early nineties. It was finally in production. It was going to come out in 99 was the first one for Phantom Menace. And it was like our whole generation, specifically people that are in their mid thirties now were like, Oh my God, these are going to be our star Wars movies. So the prequels that we're talking about today were the ones that we grew up with. Uh, if anything, you know, I, they're not always the best loved movies, but these were ours. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Mike uh, has a very resigned uh, look on his face that one would associate with just missing the last shot in the game of golf. Yeah. Uh, it was not good. Um, so <laughs> uh, funny Mike, enough, not, not a prequels fan, not, not a prequels fan. I love the clone wars. Okay. I think the Clone Wars is one of the best things in Star Wars. I think okay. if if you want to want to experience if you want to skip the prequels and just watch the Clone Wars, I think you can. I am a yeah. fan I am a fan of the Machete um cut for Star Wars, watching it uh in with the in the Machete order. Right. Um Machete order rather, uh, which uh fo- which follows I guess the the layout of the Danny Trejo film uh, Machete, but no, I do not like the prequels very much. Well, I think, so, what's your what was your introduction to Star Wars though? So, my introduction to Star Wars was similar to you, actually, almost exactly the same. I was in my living room. I'm not sure if I had moved to Long Island yet. I had to have been four years old, maybe five. If I was five, I had moved to Long Island at that time, and I remember watching. And now I know that this clip is from Empire Strikes Back. It must have been on TNT or TBS or one of those like mid. I always call them the mid 20s channel because growing right. up, they were yeah. like channel They're 28 or 27. Yeah. yeah. So they were like channel 28 or 29, 27. And it was like a Saturday or Sunday afternoon. And it's the scene where R2-D2 gets spit out of the, the swamp in Dagobah. And my dad was like, was was just flipping through the TV uh, when he was home. And he was like, oh, Mike, Star Wars, you might like this. You know, a lot of kids like this. And I remember watching it and going, oh, this is great. And, you know, I watched probably the rest of the movie that afternoon. And then I got into Star Wars more. My aunt had made me some copies of Star Wars from, I guess, tapes that my older cousin had. So I watched like my aunt used to copy tapes for everything. Like she had a tape, like a copy tape off the TV or off another tape for like literally every movie, like every Disney movie, everything. So she would always give us these tapes. And I remember watching them there. And then I had to have been, it had to have been in like, I had to have been in like third or fourth grade, right before they re-released them as the special editions. One of my uncles got me my and my brother, the Star Wars trilogy on tape. And it's probably the same exact trilogy you had. And it said it was the, each it was a each tape cassette video cassette for those of you who are young these are tapes you watched movies on <laughs> so each tape the jacket for each tape was black yep. and it had like a half face of someone on the cover so i believe for star wars because it doesn't say a new hope on that version for me it just said star wars and yeah. then maybe a new hope was in small print on the bottom it had like half a Darth Vader's face. Yep, that's right. And then, and then I think for Empire Strikes Back, it was I, a stormtrooper. It was a stormtrooper's face, 
And I believe that the, I think that one had like either red or green writing. I think blue, uh, the, the first movie uh, had blue writing and then Return of the Jedi was in like a maroon and it was half of Yoda's face. Yep. And my, my brother and I pretty much wore the tapes out. We watched those movies as frequently as possible. I remember like purposely like pulling out the couch in the den, uh, the pull out bed in the couch in the den and like watching them on school nights and falling asleep in the living room. Uh, watching Star Wars movies as a kid. And then because of that, I got into video games and then they released a move, the special editions in the theater. And we thought it was the coolest thing ever that you can go to the theater and see Star Wars. And then 1999 comes around and, and they start releasing new toys, which I did get a whole bunch of the new, I think, I think they're called the power of the force toys that I think Kenner had put out in the mid nineties, back when they were starting to gear up for new Star Wars movies and, um, and the re-release of the original trilogy. So, and then 1999 rolls around and I saw Star Wars, The Phantom Menace in the theater that opening weekend. And at 13 years old or 12 years old, I thought it was the coolest thing on the planet. And, and then I realized, then I slowly learned to hate it, but just like <laughs> anything else, I slowly learned to hate it over time, but watching Star Wars in the theater as it was coming out, I was, as it was new, right. The, that, that was really, really special to the point where like I even had Phantom Menace on VHS still like that. That was still a point where VHS were still selling. I hadn't I didn't get a PlayStation 2 yet. I didn't have a DVD player. So I still I had Phantom Menace on, on tape, um, which is brutal, uh, by the way. And <laughs> it became one of my favorite film series ever. It's funny because ultimately throughout all of it, you know, I probably only like maybe what like three or four of the movies. <laughs> But I think that like really like like three or four of the movies like a lot and maybe five of the movies. Maybe. I don't know. It's it's tough. Star Most of the Star Wars movies are mediocre to bad. But the I think ultimately what in, what draws me into Star Wars is the overarching everything. I think it's the vibe. I think it's the feeling. I think it's everything that Star Wars does very, very well. And my favorite films in the franchise um, have always been the original Star Wars. I think the original Star Wars is a perfectly complete and amazing movie. It's a complete film. You really yep. didn't need any sequels or anything like that. There's not a lot of exposition. It's just, it's honestly, dude, you and I understand this completely. It's a D and D adventure yep. and it's, it's beautiful. We could talk more about that later. And I, I love empire strikes back. And I think rogue one is um, as good as, as, as good as almost as good as the original movies get. And I like you, and I think you're going to talk about this in a little bit. Spoilers. I think Solo is actually a lot of fun, and I think it's a good time. You know, I like Return of the Jedi. I think Return of the Jedi is incredibly lazy. The prequels in general, I'm kind of like, eh, they're all right. I'm not crazy about the prequels. I really don't love them. And the sequels, it's like a lot of great ideas mixed in with a lot of garbage uh, that ultimately kind of pulls the plug on itself. Um, the prequel, the, I think the sequel trilogy could have went to some really great places, especially after episode eight, but they completely bungled the landing and kind of ruined the whole trilogy because of it, uh, because you know where it ultimately leads. And I think Star Wars right now is shining in its TV shows. Uh, I think that long form Star Wars storytelling that gets away from the Skywalker stuff or the stuff that shows the bridge between the prequels and the original trilogy are really great. I think Dave Filoni, who's kind of like the Star Wars guy, 
is unbelievably respectful for to the things that George Lucas did and the perfect editor to the nonsense that George Lucas wanted to do. I think if we had Dave Filoni working on the prequels with George Lucas more intensively, I think those movies would have been unbelievably good. And if, I think if they ported him over to work with J.J. Abrams and Ryan Johnson on the sequels, I think the sequels would have been much, much better. I think Dave Filoni is the guy. And I think most hardcore Star Wars fans would agree with me. He is... While John Favreau's the executive producer on The Mandalorian, he's an unbelievably good. Dave Filoni is like the story supervisor. So he knows all that stuff. And he wears a cool cowboy hat. Yeah. Uh, well, look. So, that was a lot. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'll say this. I think, even though I think I'm a more sort of cynical person than you are, I think your view of the Star Wars films, the franchise, whatever, is is actually and not inappropriately, but I think is actually more cynical than mine. I like more of the movies than you do. Mm-hmm. And I I don't I'll put it this way. I see the problems that you do and I I care about them a little less. I get um, that. I, I blatantly don't like the sequel films at all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I think there's some really impressive stuff that is full of wonder and is worthy of commendation. But for the most part, I don't really like the sequel movies. I don't really want to see them again. I have an appreciation for the prequel films, um, though I recognize they aren't really good, but I I like them more than you do. I love Rogue One. I think Rogue One is terrific. Terrific. Um, I could watch that. I could watch that right now. I could finish recording with you and put on Rogue One and have a great night. I might do that. As you'll hear with my pitch later, I love Solo. I think Solo is great. We'll get more into it right around pitch time, but I thought, Solo was a step in the right direction for Star Wars. And then because it did not do as well monetarily, they've kind of turned away from that kind of filmmaking. And that's uh, unfortunate. Uh, yeah, listen, Mandalorian's the best thing that Star Wars has going on right now. Filoni and um, John Favreau seem to have, they seem to have the fundamental understanding of what makes Star Wars work that I think some other people just don't or didn't. And um, it's frustrating too, because Star Wars is one of these really rare things. There's almost nothing else like it. No. Where George Lucas creates this thing and somehow gets lost in his own creation or misunderstands his own creation in a way that doesn't let him really get it in the same way that the fans do. I don't know. By the way, I, I... I'm grateful to George Lucas, and I I think his take on the prequels is better than Abrams's take on the sequels, but no one really, I guess what I'm trying to say, and this is a difficult thing to say, is this might be one of the first things ever where it truly belongs to the fans, Yeah, and it doesn't belong to the creators, and it's so bizarre to say that, because I don't know another thing that's like that. But. But what is Dave Filoni? What are Dave Filoni and John Favreau? Other right, but that's than what I mean. Fans? Those are yeah. their fans, right? Well, but so is Abrams, but he gets it wrong. Yeah, because Abrams did what Abrams does, and Abrams gave you exactly what the original was. That's what Abrams did with Star Trek too. He just kind of softly remade the original Star Trek stuff right. mm-hmm. with with Star Trek, and I don't know, I. It's it's hard because I like a lot of what early Abrams did. Like I love Super Eight. Uh, I like, you know, I like he did Cloverfield, right? He did. He did Cloverfield. I know Lost was awesome, at least for most of it. I don't know. I feel like he lost his like inspiration. Like what Marvel has going for it. And you have to compare Marvel and Star Wars at this point because they're owned by the same company, but handled so incredibly differently. Star Wars from day one, they needed to bring in a Kevin Feige. They needed a guy to go in there and be like, this is the this is the map. This is the map we're following. 
not bring in random directors to make movies without a plan, right? right? How could you not plan Star Wars? Like, how could you yeah. not plan it out? Yeah, and I, I think, think we're gonna we're gonna yeah. really break that apart when we get into our sequel episode. But I think that's so. um that's the big problem, right? Is yeah. that um even if we don't like the prequels or if the prequels were poorly received, there's a clear vision. There's continuity from film to film. They feel like they're all part of the same thing, yep. telling the same story. They have the same overarching theme and the sequels are just a mess. No. And like I said, there is, I think there's a lot of good ideas in the sequels. I think some of the characters are excellent. I just think a lot of it's mishandled. And I think because of episode nine, it completely just turns it to mush. Now, instead of sitting here and harping on the sequels, which we could do, which we're going to have a whole episode to work right. with mm -hmm. when I think the big problem is, and now this is all hearsay, this is all conjecture, this is all internet rumor, this is a lot of stuff. A lot of folks have said that Star Wars, the original film, was saved in the editing room, and specifically by George Lucas's wife, um, who pretty much took that movie with the editors and made it work. Because apparently, the original if you've ever read the original treatment to Star Wars, it's a mess. It makes no sense. It's all over the place. They actually comicized it. They made it into a comic book. Um, which is actually kind of cool to read. It's a really beautiful set of books, but it's an absolute total mess. And and um, apparently the editor saved it. And you know what also really saved Star Wars? John Williams' score. Without that score, the movie is not nearly as, as powerful. You miss so much of it. If you've ever seen Star Wars where they remove John Williams' music from it, it is so dull and so dry. It's crazy how much the music is important to it. And I think what happened with the prequels is George Lucas probably had too much power he, he just did whatever the heck he wanted to. And he had no one to go there and say, hey, why don't we take your ideas and let's put them through some sort of cycle so that we can actually make this make sense? Because the prequels don't even make sense with the original movies, like really right. at all. There's so much no, out of the, that original yeah. movies that the prequels are like everything that you hear about Anakin and Obi-Wan and stuff in the original movies really doesn't happen in the prequels that much until yeah. Dave Filoni starts patching it all together for the Clone Wars, which is legitimately amazing. It, it's right. legitimately good. The, the story we get in Clone Wars is what we would have wanted to get from those prequel movies. Oh, 100%. I don't think yeah. anyone really wanted to see young, super young Anakin Skywalker. They wanted to see... Nope. I feel like that first the prequel trilogy should have just been the Clone Wars. It should have yeah. just been three movies that take place during the Clone Wars. We know what the clones are. We figure it out. It's a great phrase, right? The Clone Wars is a great phrase, uh, whether or not you know you're into clones or anything like that. They're a very important part of the Star Wars universe. Yeah, and you know, ultimately, it's good that Star Wars is starting to become starting to go get into the right hands now. And I think that they're, they're starting to kind of piece it all together because they have their quote unquote, Kevin Feige who can sit down or which is two guys in this instance who can sit down and really craft a really great map for uh, what's going on. And now there's aspects of the prequels that I like, obviously it's nice to see uh, a series of films that involve the Jedi heavily where there's not a lot of Jedi in in the original the original trilogy but like if you sit down and you look at the original star wars it is the ultimate fan film what george lucas does in the original star wars and his team is they made a movie that is a kurosawa samurai film it's a western it's a world war ii dogfight movie and it's lord of the rings all in one that's what star wars is it's all those things mashed into one and I think that I almost appreciate it because as fans of those genres, 
guys like you and I, it's like, oh yeah, that's more people should do something like that. It's very Tarantino where it's just like, I'm going to take the stuff I really like and I'm going to put it into this movie and I'm going to write it to a point and I'm going to give it to you as though it's some epic piece of literature. And Star Wars owes a lot to like B sci-fi movies of like the 50s and 60s as well. On top of that, even down to the vibe, right? Like the whole vibe of it has to have that that kind of thing about it. Um, and it's kind of weird when you go back to the prequels and everything's so shiny and new looking, you know, everything looks way newer in the prequels than it does in the, in the, mm -hmm. in the original trilogy. So, so um, yeah, Star Wars, the, the first film, whoever you want to credit, whether it's um, George Lucas's wife or his editors, or if you want to credit John Williams or however you want to put it, uh, it was a kind of a lightning in the bottle, yep. you know, movie that um, obviously is very hard to reproduce, but, uh, two amazing and amazingly successful sequels and arguably the second film was better yeah. Um, yeah even though many people just like new hope all by itself i think the major problem with the prequels you already identified is they just they start too early in the chronology of the story but i'll, I'll say this in defense of george lucas and this does affect my opinion on the sequels and other people's opinions of the sequels as well the world of star wars that lucas created is ultimately more interesting than the story he was telling. Yeah. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. The story he was telling is very prototypical, right? It is the monomyth. It is, as you said, borrowing from multiple different genres and styles. It is pretty much every chosen one narrative you've ever heard. But he didn't realize that the world that he created around that very simple, tried and true chosen one story was actually more interesting than the chosen one story he was telling. Yeah. So when he goes back to make these prequels, he just he doubles down on the chosen one thing and saying, OK, I need to make the, the start of the chosen one story to, to do some commentary on what it means to be the chosen one. But as a Star Wars fan, whether you were a kid Star Wars fan or an adult Star Wars fan, you were kind of saying, ah, oh, George, I mean little young Anakin is not the dude we wanted to follow. We wanted to hear about the intrigue in the world that you created. Show us the Clone Wars and show us these other planets. Don't show us, you know, more of a character that we've already seen, already developed. Um, so that was difficult for that. You know, the little bit of world building he did was good, but it was sort of in the wrong direction. I loved Liam Neeson in the series, but we didn't yes. need Qui-Gon Jinn. No. I'm so appreciative of Darth Maul. I wish we had just started off with Obi-Wan as the master yeah. and with an older Anakin Skywalker, someone that made a little bit more sense with, uh, you know, being the age of Padme Amidala. Well, that, that's the problem, too, is that people, this is a phrase you hear a lot, whether they're talking about the prequels or the sequels or the extended universe. They say something along the lines of, well, I'm tired of the Skywalker story. Well, but that's what those nine films <laughs> yeah. are. Yeah, that is their story. I agree boilerplate agree that the world of star wars is more interesting but those nine films those episodes are meant to be the opera of that family and their story so uh, this idea in the sequels that like oh it would have been better if ray's parents had been no one or whatever i mean yeah it's, it's nice the idea that anyone could be a jedi w was nice but that's that's already an idea that's established it's established yeah, in the prequels there are many jedi but it is the skywalker family's story what i like about movies like solo and rogue one and what I like about Clone Wars and things like that is that we get to see more of the universe that isn't Skywalker centric, but not because I don't like the Skywalkers, just because I want to see something else that isn't the main nine films, you know. So the prequels are not without merit. I enjoy them. And let's say this for them. They are the most memeable things. Oh, yeah. Ever. The memes that come from the prequels are unbelievable. Three things the prequels gave us that and I'm not including Rogue One or Solo when I say prequels. 
Three things the prequels gave, gave us that are worthy of the price of admission alone. First and foremost, Star Wars prequel memes are the best Star Wars memes, some of the best memes on the internet. Nothing makes me laugh harder than a really well-written Star Wars prequel meme. They are so good. That's number one. So good. Number two, Ewan McGregor, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah. So good. Spot on casting. Put him in everything until he's as old as Alec Guinness looked. Yeah. Uh, and that hard desert climate. And Obi-Wan Kenobi as a character is lights out good. If you watch Clone Wars, he is awesome. Anakin's also ridiculously good in the pre and in the uh in the Clone Wars, he's so much better than poor Hayden Christensen. Though yeah. I feel like Hayden Christensen is is getting a lot of support now from fans that he's coming back as uh, as Darth Vader. So I guess we'll see more of that in the Obi Wan show. Listen, it always swings back both ways. People are liking stuff from the prequels now. It really it happens. I think that's because they like the Clone Wars and Rebels and the Bad Batch so much. I yep. think, and also I, they don't like the sequels. They don't like the sequels exactly. Yeah. Last but not least. Ah, maybe least. I don't know. Probably least in this one. Darth Maul. Darth Maul was a great character. Rules. I'm so happy they've brought him back. Uh, whether he has spider legs or human legs or whatnot, he's definitely going to be in the Obi-Wan series. He can have any legs he wants. That's right. And, uh, you know, that z- evil Zabrak Jedi is pretty ridiculous looking, and I kind of kind of love everything about it. Uh, very underused in uh, Phantom Menace, so it's nice that the folks over at Clone Wars and ultimately Rebels Star Wars Rebels were like, yeah, you know what? Let's dig this guy up and um, let's use him again. And that's great. I-, I actually love that the clones are all clones of Jango Fett. It actually makes sense. And uh, it's one of the few things that they do that actually makes sense uh, because why is Darth Vader always hiring Boba Fett to do stuff for him? Well, that makes perfect sense because all of the clones are essentially Boba Fett. So it makes sense that Anakin is always working like Commander Cody and all those guys that Anakin pretty much fought the war with are are Boba Fett. So it really makes sense that um, maybe he just, you know, he knows he can trust in in the clones. That's something that was done retcon that actually works kind of well. Sure. I don't know. You, 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 Mike, say this all the time that. You know, Boba Fett, the original Boba Fett, it's just a really good costume. He's got good gadgets and they he's a toy. And they have spent so much narrative time, so much script time, prequels, sequels, side projects, whatever, trying to justify that character and give him a good backstory. I'm fine that Django Fett's the clones, whatever. I always felt that was a little shoved in there, but I mean, it's the least of the prequels problems. It's definitely the least of the problems. And I will say this. I like you for a very long time. There are two characters that I did not like until very, very recently. And it's not just in Star Wars. It's it's in different different film. It's in different media. I never liked Boba. I, I never said that I didn't like Boba Fett. I was my whole thing with Boba Fett was just like, yo, guys, he's just a toy in a cool suit. Like he's on the screen for like two minutes. It's like, but all the books. I'm like, yeah, okay. I'm not gonna read like 80 books and comic books to to justify that this guy is cool. But when he shows up in The Mandalorian, it was like justification of like 30 years of hearing people yeah. say how cool Boba Fett was because he in The Mandalorian is awesome even with his like dad gut he is awesome <laughs> yeah and his cool matte 
finish armor like Boba Fett's awesome in that it took me very long time to appreciate him as a character it took the Mandalorian for me to do it the second one is Deadpool I never liked Deadpool until I watched the first Deadpool movie and I'm like no I get it now I'm actually happy that that Boba Fett's around again and I and uh, I think he's he's cool and I think you can do a lot more with that world right with that yeah. world especially with Solo right weirdly and, I think it's the same people that like Deadpool and Boba yeah Fett. yeah I think so <laughs> I, I think, think you're probably right I think, I think the think Venn diagram is a circle it's definitely the Boba Fett fans and the Deadpool fans are one circle. Yeah, I, I, so. I would, I would, I would say so. I would say so. But um, there, you know, there's a lot of good stuff going on with Star Wars now. Whether it's cartoons, whether it's Mandalorian, the comic books are very good right now. And I know it breaks a lot of hearts that Disney kind of deleted the inter- uh, the entire expanded universe. But I think it's actually a good thing because ultimately it means they can cherry pick what worked out of the expanded universe and really build rebuild the Star Wars universe from scratch um, and really make something hopefully very good and very special as we get further and further away from the sequel trilogy, I think we'll actually slowly start to see the sequel trilogy get retconned and possibly erased over time. But what are you thinking, man? Is it pitch time? You got a couple more things to say? Well, I have a little mini, mini quest for us. All right. I just want to go film by film in the prequels and just share thoughts. Yeah, let's do it. So we can say we covered the ground on them. So we started this already, but Mike, just stream of consciousness, thoughts you have about The Phantom Menace. The good, the bad, the ugly, what do you got? What is is stuff that you like that's good in The Phantom Menace? Uh, Oh, boy. um, I like Darth Maul. Okay. That's good. I like Ewan McGregor as as Obi-Wan Kenobi. Listen, I love Liam Neeson. Qui-Gon Jinn was a pointless character, but man... I love Liam Neeson. I wish he would have been able to stay around in that. Uh, that's the stuff I really like. Uh, that Obviously, that lightsaber fight at the end, that duel of the fates is, is awesome. That theme is awesome. That music is awesome. But ultimately, I feel like um, Phantom Menace is possibly the most unwatchable of all the Star Wars movies. It is hard More to than watch. Attack of the Clones? I don't know, man. It's close. It's close. Uh, I I don't know. I tried to watch Phantom Menace recently and I fell asleep multiple times. Like, yeah. So I I did watch Phantom Menace recently, actually. Yeah. Uh, Partially in preparation for recording today. Yeah. It was not a great time. I got to tell you. It's not good. It's not a good movie. I do have some things I liked that I remembered liking. As a kid, I really liked the pod race and I still liked that. I still thought it was fun. fun. That's fun. Well, this is the problem. I like fun Star Wars. Me too. So much of Star Wars is like very dour and very serious. And a lot of the Phantom Menace is not that. A lot of the Phantom Menace is very silly. Unfortunately, it just crosses the line too many times. Like Jar Jar Binks sucks, uh, you know, but that is a good flavor. It was just the wrong implementation of that flavor. I like when things are silly. Also, like the people, this is a tangent, but whatever. The people who are like, I want my Star Wars to be dark are the same people who are like, I want my comic books to be dark. It's like, dude, Wolverine wears yellow spandex. They were never right. that dark. That's just what you thought they were because you're an edgelord. The original Star Wars movies are really fun. The yeah. original Star Wars is super fun. Yeah. And Yoda is in episode five. Yoda shows up yeah. and he's a Muppet. So like anyone right. who's like, I need dark, serious Star Wars. It's like, guys, no. Even Darth Vader, who is one of the best film villains of all time. He's a cyborg samurai wizard from outer space. Like we have to come to grips yeah, with I that. mean, 
He's fucking scary though. <laughs> but yeah. He is scary. And especially in Rogue One, he's terrifying. Yeah. yeah. But he's he's awesome. But like in the end, you gotta boil it down to, to what it is, and Star Wars should be fun. You're right. Sure. I appreciated the sense of fun that is in Phantom Menace. I liked pod racing. Like you, I like Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan, though I wish he was I wish he was an aged up version of that. Not a Padawan. I like yep. I liked Darth Maul. I liked the final lightsaber fight. Same thing. Unfortunately, I am inclined to agree with you. I think the cons outweigh the pros on that first movie. I really dislike the way that the plot just kind of comes together. Yep. I I don't think it's like a well-sequenced plot. I hate the space fight at the end it's just the way that anakin is fighting with everybody else in the spaceships and the it's really not great also metachlorians are garbage the fact that anakin builds the c-3po is also stupid it's just not consistent yeah r2d2 being around like the whole time also makes no sense even though i love r2d2 like i really love r2d2 but like sure He's the hero of the entire franchise, by the way. At a, at a Shakespearean level, I love that C-3PO and R2-D2 are there for the entire yeah. nine movies as like the witnesses, the storytellers. But also like they robbed them of that because R2 and 3PO have no fucking clue what's going on by the time we get to those original movies. Exactly. I think 3PO should remember that he was built by Anakin or R2 should have some recollection of like a narrative going on. I don't yeah. know. They don't really use those characters to maximum effectiveness. No, definitely not. Attack of the Clones. Anything good in Attack of the Clones. Yeah, this is a reach. I even think the Yoda fight's stupid. This is Yoda versus Dooku. First of all, Count Dooku is awful. Yeah. Let's go ahead and say that. I love Christopher Lee. I think Christopher Lee is a terrific actor. I think that character is garbage. I think that should I don't know what they were going for. I don't know. Space Dracula. I think what they should have done. I wish they had gone harder for that. Actually, yeah, actually, that he's just kind of like space old man. Dude, imagine a like like imagine like a force vampire. That yeah, would be, be cool. That would yeah. be cool. But no, no, Count Dooku's awful. That that could have been Darth Maul. That could have just been more Darth Maul. And you know the whole forget it. Uh, you know the the sounded music sequence is horrible. The whole mm. the whole relationship with Padme and Anakin makes no sense because like she doesn't age at all. And this guy all of a sudden ages like 15 years over the course of like a movie. <laughs> right. I don't know, man. Got Obi-Wan syndrome. Uh, I think they cast Hayden Christensen, who's this really, really good looking guy. And I think they thought like, OK, so we'll believably have this romance between the two characters. But I couldn't shake that he was this little boy that she knew in the first movie. And I couldn't shake that. Anakin just I don't know what kind of performance Hayden Christensen is giving. I'm sure he received no direction from George Lucas, but it is just this famously wooden nothing going on, totally dead dicked romance that's going on in that movie of just like you don't believe it. You don't believe any aspect of the flame between the two characters. Not at all. And I think the reason why he cast Hayden Christensen is because Hayden Christensen in certain in certain lights might look a little like Mark Hamill. And I think that does might he? Be it. I think that might be it. It's like if you were to take Natalie Portman and Hayden Christensen, would you would you possibly get Luke and Leia? Maybe. I'm going to say absolutely not. No. I way. would say maybe. No. Nope. Maybe. I think they could have uh, maybe found with any a shrug. Two, any two attractive white people, <laughs> right, would have been fine. <laughs> should have just, they should have picked someone who acted. Wasn't it rumored for a long time that Leonardo DiCaprio was up for maybe Anakin Skywalker? It would have been great. He would have been now, great. I, I know that's like a bit much because he's a, you know, 
that's a big personality to introduce to your films, but like Leo can act at least. He would have given it something. Yeah, but maybe but he... not. Maybe George Lucas is such a fucking terrible director that he can't give you anything. I don't know. Uh, and I slaughter them like animals. It wasn't even that good. No, it wasn't. You gave it too much feeling. You're right. You gotta pull that back. Yeah, you're right. I don't know how to. They were animals, and, and I, I slaughtered, slaughtered them, them like, like animals. animals. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah. It sounds like like books on tape or like um or like a speak and spell talking back <laughs> at you. Or like your Siri. That's kind of the the degree sure. of acting. They do a lot of separating Obi-Wan off at his own missions in movies two and three. He's on Kamino, which is the ocean world where he yeah. discovers the clone plot in this one. And somehow something that should be so thrilling is just so clinical and sterile and boring. Um, it's not even procedural. It's just like you're reading a very slow novel in the middle of that movie and it comes Rough. to naught. It just means nothing. They keep Newt Gunray around, who was like the least interesting villain character from the first movie. Yep. Um, you know, it's just it's stupid. Also, and I, I'm not a stupid person. These movies, the 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 plot that threads the three films together is a little confusing. Am I wrong? No. Like it's yes. I I know we all know the films. We've seen them. We know what happens. But just as like your average Joe viewer trying to like get a sense of what's happening in these movies. It's kind of like, okay, we're pre-Empire, we're in the days of the Republic, there's a separatist movement, but kind of what is going on between the separatist movement and the politicians already involved in the Republic is a little difficult to follow by the time you get to who's manipulating who and who is this person, and it's a little bit much. It's a little needlessly complicated. It's kind of just like, well, just where are the bad guys? There they are, you know? Listen, man, it's called Star Wars, not Star Politics, Okay. Like, yeah, it's way too political. And I don't mean very up its own butt. Yeah. And and I don't mean like political in terms of it's making a stance like there's too much effort on the politics of it all. Like, I didn't go to Star Wars to watch a political thriller. I went to Star Wars to see like space fights and space samurai fight each other. That's really it. So there's really not much redeemable out of Attack of the Clones. Yeah, it ultimately gets too heady. And then finally, arguably the best of the three movies, and I use the word best like very sparingly. Top um, shelf trash. Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, Revenge of the Sith is like, I don't know why people even, there's people out there who are like, oh, I love Revenge of the Sith. No, this movie stinks. This is a bad movie. It's better than the other two. It's still not good. Yeah, but that's like, I know. I don't know. That's like saying, yeah, I mean, it's a low bar to set. That's like saying like, I don't know having a sinus infection is is better than you know having food poisoning like i mean <laughs> right. okay great yeah it's still not that good all right and- so what do you think of this sinus infection is there anything you liked in the sinus infection hmm uh episode three uh, once again obi-wan's awesome obi-wan's awesome I hate it's awesome. I this hate, movie, we get the death of Dooku and Grievous in the yeah. same film. Grievous is a piece of garbage. Oh, man, is that a terrible character? Yeah, thank he's God. A toy, they, another toy, yeah. another toy. But like he's lame. Uh, you know, we do get the meme of General Kenobi, which is wonderful. Um, you know, I love Samuel Jackson, you know, and everything. I love him as Mace Windu. I, I'm upset that he dies in uh, in revenge of the sith i do think the fight at the end on the uh the lava planet the planet that's literally made mustafar. of fire mustafar that i think darth vader ends up building his castle on he does at some point uh i think his that's castle that looks like titan's tower yeah exactly it looks like the teen titan tower yeah it's great i think that's actually a great fight i think the moments between obi-wan and anakin are probably the best you're going to get at a hayden christensen in the trilogy and i do like the fact that obi-wan kenobi is able to cut off two legs and a hand 
in one jump. Yeah, man. Truly I mean, a Jedi weapon master. Poorly calculated on Anakin's part. Um, he had the high ground. So it's Revenge over. of the Sith, while it may be the best of the three, it still fails in its mission to really connect these films to the originals. It And, and it, it creates the biggest plot hole of all time. It's almost like George Lucas had not watched the originals when... You know, Leia says that she remembered her mother or, or anything like that. It also creates a problem of like, Ooh, if we're wow. going to hide these two twins, you know, fine. One's going to Alderaan and one's going fucking back to Tatooine with the last name Skywalker. What are you kidding? Yeah, I know. You what's know, also what's also hilarious about this is that in the first movie, Obi-Wan Kenobi and Luke Skywalker wear what they wear because they're from Tatooine and that's what you wear on Tatooine. However, in the all the other movies and everything else that just happens to be the standard Jedi yeah. outfit that makes no sense. I that's, agree. That's the Jedi should have some degree of like Jedi battle armor and they kind of do in Clone Wars. I think they right. kind of realize that that's stupid. Yeah. But yeah, dude, there's a lot of plot holes that are created by the It by does. The Revenge of the Sith actually creates more problems than I think it, it solves. Uh, uh, what is that? Hey, I like that. I like that little midwife droid. First of all, the fact like, you know, it's like she dies in childbirth, which is something that's very real and very serious and very sad in real life. (laughs) Yes, it is. She doesn't die in childbirth because of the childbirth. She dies in a broken heart because she lost the will to live. It's like uh, and then don't even get me started on the No, because then they started shoehorning that in other movies. That was was in many ways the original meme, wasn't it? Yeah, it's one of the first Raiders Raiders Christmas wish. Yeah. It's right up there with um, with the dancing baby, you know? And, oh God! Uh, yeah, McNeil, so. bring us McNeil, bring us McNeil. <laughs> so the New York Mets have a have a baseball baseball player on their team named McNeil, and every time Perfect. he's at he's at bat, if I'm at a game, I scream, "Bring us McNeil!" And nobody I, I, gets it. Man, I would hope that there was one guy in the crowd being like, "I love Futurama." I get that. Single female lawyer. So. <laughs> So, yeah, you know, the prequels aren't great, but I think that there's a lot of good surrounding them. And I think there's a lot of good we can do with the, the before times uh, of the original yeah. Star Wars. So let's pitch this bad boy. What do yeah, you got for it. me? Sure. So how about this? That was really good. How's your wiki? How's your wiki? Do you do a good wiki? Yeah. Let me try my. I haven't done a wiki. I'm going to try a wiki. No, yours is better. I don't know. Yeah, you got you got good action there. Mine's a little underwater. Yes, how about this? So, as much as I do appreciate aspects of the prequels, I don't really love them. Yeah. Um, the movies I do like are Rogue One yeah, baby. and Solo, A Star Wars Story. Both very... I think Rogue One is top-tier Star Wars, and I think Solo is better than the prequels and better than the sequels. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to really simplify that into saying I think Solo is the fun V and yeah. Rogue One is the humdrum V. Yeah. Right? Rogue One is just a real sad movie. What a gutsy um, movie, though, right? What a gutsy it's, movie it's Rogue gutsy, One is. It's beautiful. And because of that, I actually don't want to touch Rogue One. No. I want to let Rogue One be its own special snowflake, and I want to just never do anything to it. I think it's so good on its own. I never want to attach anything to it. I have a K2SO behind me. Yeah, K2SO rules. Rogue One is just, it's really great. Movie with a lot of integrity. Yeah, I enjoy it so much. The movie that I'm going to be discussing for this pitch is Solo, a Star Wars story, story, which um, we talked a little bit about in the beginning of the episode. This is a movie that is really it's it's sort of much maligned by 
both fans, but especially industry people, because there is this perception of Solo that it was a failure. It wasn't. The movie made almost $400 million at the box office, which by any other standard would be a success, except for the fact that it was a very, very expensive movie to make. I think it was over $250 million to make it. I think they spent another $100 million on marketing the film. So to clear a profit, they needed to make like half a billion dollars on that movie. And Mike, what were the what were the film statistics we were sharing in the pre-show for that? Yeah, so it needed to make $500 million to break even. And the other problem with Star Wars, with Solo, a Star Wars story is, uh, I, there's a couple of things here. For First and foremost, yeah. Solo, a Star Wars story was released. First of all, there was a whole weird thing with writers and directors, and then they brought in Ron Howard in the 11th hour to kind of fix it and put it together. And I think Ron Howard actually did a great job. Uh, I would love to see, I would love to see more Bryce Dallas Howard directing Star Wars because she's also unbelievably good. Uh, Just, you know, let us Howard's do some stuff. I think what happened is, is at this point in time, this is 2017. That sounds right. So 2016, 17, somewhere in there. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's, let's look that up. 2018. Oh, okay. So this is 2018. There is no other Star Wars movie that comes out into it to 2018. I do believe that there was supposed to be something that came out later that year, but it got pushed a year or something like that. It might have been episode nine. So at this point in time, Star Wars had been become synonymous with the holiday season. Episode seven, episode eight, Rogue One and episode nine are all released right around Christmas. Solo, a Star Wars story is released like in May of 2018, six months after The Last Jedi, a movie that has split the Star Wars fan base more than literally anything else. And at this point, I think people were getting tired of Star Wars and this movie is right on the heels of it. So that's not good. I also feel that Solo, a Star Wars story came out like a week or two after Deadpool 2, which is like a black hole and like a week or two before Infinity War. So it just got swallowed up by everything around it. And it was set up to fail. It's like they buried it for no reason. And you and I have talked about this a million times. The way to handle Star Wars, a solo, a Star Wars story is to do this. Get together and say, listen, guys, Star Wars is synonymous with Christmas. We got to release this around the holidays. Let's push it seven months. And let's spend that seven months doing the best PR we can. You know, yeah. get get Alden Enrenrich or whatever you however you pronounce his name, Enrenreich. Get him on every show promoting Put it. Put Enrenreich and Harrison Ford out there together. Together, on get a, a circuit. Get, you know what get, I mean? Exactly. Get them together, showing that you know this is a support for the Han Solo, arguably one of the best Star Wars characters ever. Get Donald Glover out there doing his Donald Glover thing uh, as Lando. Why not? He's awesome in this movie. Get Amelia Clark in there out there. Like at this point in time, Amelia Clark's a giant name. Game of Thrones is firing all cylinders. You got Woody Harrelson. You got Paul Bettany. You got Thandi Newton. You got a great cast of people. Use them. Send them out there. Market this movie and put it on the good PR because everyone on the internet at this time was convinced that this movie was garbage. And it's not. It's not. It's a great movie. It's really good. Yeah. Thank you, Mike. Exactly. Which brings me to my pitch. Like many people, and I think more people than than most people think, I really enjoyed Solo. I thought it was a good movie. Yeah. And I think it was a movie that was only going to improve if its story was allowed to continue. But of course, as we see right now, there's nothing in development for that character or for those films. So my pitch is this. 
And I'm aware that there's a comic book that is actually going to explore this coming up. We've done a little bit of research based on Mike's recommendation. I would like to pitch the Crimson Dawn trilogy. Yeah. Uh, so what I would like to see is Han fighting against the crime syndicate that is run by Kira. Yeah. Uh, after Dryden Voss bites it. Uh, after he's killed in the uh, first of the movies, which would be, of course, Solo. So the trilogy would uh, include Solo, a Star Wars story, as the first film. And then I would like to center each of those leads in that film as the center of their own film to fully tell the story. Great. So in the first film, it was Han, and we see how his story begins and also how it connects to the greater universe of Star Wars. That's great. That's about as much as I want to connect it. Mm -hmm. uh, because now these other two films are going to kind of branch off a little bit. In the second film, I want Kira to be the main character. Okay, I want right. to actually follow Crimson Dawn from Kira's perspective, why she's doing what she's doing and what she has to do. We are in the age of the Galactic Empire. Clearly, this is a, uh, you know, a crime syndicate that is operating uh, on its own. In some ways, it serves the Empire. In some way, it serves other purposes. And of course, we know that we get major Darth Maul action that's going to tie into other Star Wars storylines. Now, to be clear, Lando and Han would still be the other two leads in this movie. Of course. By showing it from Kira's perspective, you give some humanity to your villains in a way that uh, we don't often get to see in Star Wars, because Star Wars tends to be very black and white uh, in terms of who's evil and who's not, unless there's like a redemption story, which is a little of what we're doing. And what I would like to see from Kira's perspective is basically all the people that work for Crimson Dawn, uh, because my favorite characters in Star Wars are the rascals, the scoundrels, the smugglers, um, the nerf herders. That, that's right. The nerf herders, the, the crime bosses. And I want to see what it looks like when in the age of the Galactic Empire, you are actually maybe through Crimson Dawn starting to fund what will eventually become the rebellion. Yeah. Uh, so maybe some of the people that Kira is starting to deal with are actually going to be who will become our rebels uh, by the time we get to the original films and we can start to plant those seeds. Uh, and then starting in that second film, Kira's film, and leading into the third film, which would be Lando's, you will get this idea that um, people are more aware of the Empire's plot than they may have been previously. And like you get with the cartoons, you get this sort of sense of the rebellion from other characters' perspective that you you have not gotten previously. So yes, it certainly ties into uh, the main films. But again, by centering it around characters like Kira, where you get this opportunity to get into the uh, sort of Star Wars underworld and centering it around Lando in that third movie, uh, you just get something that is, I think, unique in Star Wars where you have this huge expansive universe and you want to explore it from other angles. And now you can, you can finally get the chance to do that with films that are like these. Um, particularly in Lando's film, I love that Lando has a relationship with a droid. Yeah. Um, you know, in that uh, first solo film, I would like to expand that where he is either trying to rebuild her or rebuild a companion that is like her. Yeah. I would actually love to bring Phoebe Waller-Bridge back in some way because I thought yeah. she was a great asset. Absolutely. Um, and in that Lando film, look, we, we loved that character. I know that he has technically lost the Falcon at this point, but I just I want to give Donald Glover more of an opportunity to play the young Lando. Uh, and I think there was more for him to do and more for us to see from him. So I'm basically asking for us to conclude the solo Star Wars story film by giving us the full rise and fall of the Crimson Dawn in that third movie with Lando, with Han, with Kira, finally defeating Kira and ending her story in a way that is meaningful so that Han and Lando come away with something as well. Perhaps she lives, perhaps she dies. I don't know. I don't have obviously plot points for all three of these films or the other two films rather, but, uh, 
but I want to see that story told in full. And I want to see it wrapped back around to the original movies. I want to see it wrapped back around to things that are told to us in uh, Clone Wars and in Rebels as well. I just want to see something that honors that entire back end. Uh, actually, really, it's the front end, the back yeah. end of the front end back, back right, the front. Of, of what is on these uh, prequels. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's a loose pitch, but that is that is really what I want, Mike. I want the full trilogy that finishes up Solo, a Star Wars story. I, I think that's great, man. I, I also think that, you know, we've discussed this plenty of times before. Solo is a character that you could do a million movies with just because each movie can be a different job. So, like, it seems like. Sure. This, he this, is space Indiana Jones. Exactly. This he's should just, be like a, a series of adventure serials, basically. Yeah, that's exactly what Han Solo is. And I, I love that about it. You don't need to have everything tying it together. But I love this self-contained trilogy involving these three characters that have crossed paths and have so much history together. And I think how cool would it be if you end, right? You end this trilogy with Han and Chewie walking into the Moss Eisley Cantina, right? In, in what oh, yeah. would be episode I mean, four. That would be perfectly timed out. I would I would love that. Also, if you want to do a little bit more of the Indiana Jones framing, you could do that. You could almost take that first movie solo as being like the young Indiana Jones adventure, yeah, right? Yeah. And then do your second film starring Kira as like a Raiders from like the reverse perspective and suddenly Indiana bursts onto the scene, right? Do your last film as like a last crusade type thing. Yeah. Put all the characters into the highest possible stake circumstances. Love Put that. them at an old Jedi temple, an old Sith temple, right? Let them kind of go through that Saturday matinee excitement that I, I think we really appreciated about A New Hope specifically. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think you're 100% right. And what I love about what they've done with Rogue One, what they've done with The Mandalorian, what they've done with Solos, a solo, a Star Wars story, is that it feels like old school Star Wars in the best possible way. And Han shoots first. So, you know. Yes, that was actually, I think that's my favorite thing in Solo is that it's the lesson of him learning to shoot first, which like, says for good and all that is what happened in that fucking cantina yeah exactly that's that's them putting the stamp going like listen we understand that they shoot at the same time now but mcclunky um <laughs> mcclunky mcclunky so yeah he definitely shoots first and uh it's 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 a beautiful thing to see that happen um in real life in in a film and i love solo and i'm super excited i think those characters are great and it gives me a little it's actually kind of on the side of what I'm what I want to do with my pitch. Because All right, you, got, you got yours ready as well. Yeah, man. How about Let's this? Do it. Ooh. As you know, I can't do it as good as you. Oh, you got like a. Mike's got better Foley work than me. I'm sorry. Everyone. <laughs> so, so Han Solo is my favorite Star Wars character. Favorite Star Wars character across the board. Always has been. Always he's got a vest. Be. He's wearing he's a, a vest. He's got a vest. He's got the best car. He's he's good with a gun. And he's got a big dog as a best friend. He hey. can't really go wrong. Do you know who else wears a vest? Who? I think you need to get really into my man, Aladdin. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I love Aladdin. <laughs> Listen, he's he's a street rat. But yeah, he's a riffraff he's, street he's, rat. They call him a scoundrel, just like uh, Han Solo. Of course. And he tries to, he acquits himself rather well. He says, you know, this is just a little snack, guys. But they yeah. try to rip him open and take it back, guys. But he's got to eat to live. He's got to steal to eat. <laughs> Otherwise, he'd get along with everybody. What am I wrong? Han Solo and Aladdin both wear vests. They I'll are a one-man rise and cry. Okay, I'll stop. <laughs> Go ahead. Please proceed with your pitch. Aladdin Sp rules. Space Sp Aladdin. Space, Space Aladdin. Aladdin. That would be great. Space Aladdin, it writes itself. Yeah, I know. Space Aladdin. And then you'd have uh, Spider-Punk wears a vest. 
I he mean, does. he does. There's a lot of good characters wearing All your vests. favorite characters wear a vest. A lot of great characters out there wearing vests. So I love Han Solo. He's my favorite Star Wars character. But what I love about Solo and what I love about Rogue One is they, like you said, they share with us some different part of the Star Wars universe that doesn't have to deal with Jedi, that doesn't have to deal with the Skywalkers as much. There's a whole other universe going on out there. And there's a lot going on in this universe. I love the cantinas. I love the backroom card games. I love the the underhandedness. I love the you know all the cheating and the and the the scoundrelness, the dirty nature of Star Wars. Because originally, what makes Star Wars so special to me, especially the original movie, is just how grimy and gross and dirty that first film is. Oh, yeah. Everything looks like it needs to be washed. The Millennium Falcon is a piece of garbage. It's an old yeah. hot rod that Han Solo's keeping together with duct tape and, and twisty ties. And a prayer. And a prayer. Um, it just happens to have a really good engine. That's really what, what it is. It's a hot rod. It's a hot rod that's falling apart with a really good engine. And and it's beautiful. Like it's that's what a makes- big trunk. <laughs> it's, it's Dwight's car from Sin City. <laughs> So here's my idea. So Vin Diesel. <laughs> oh no, uh, no, you're no, not no, serious. No, no, no. I would oh never God, make Vin Diesel. God, no. I would never make Vin Diesel a Mandalorian. So what things I'm gonna do for the Mandalorians? Give me the child. So I want hey, this child. He's my family. <laughs> <laughs> but I do. Uh, all things aside, I love the Mandalorian, and I think the Mandalorian does something very similar to what those movies do. Okay. There's, a, there's a series of comic books out there right now which don't take place during the prequel period. They take place a little bit later, but I think we can retrofit the idea to taking place pretty much probably between the the prequels and the original movies. And I wanted to involve characters we've already talked about uh, in your pitch. So our pitches might cross over, but I want mine to be a long form anthology series. Okay. A television show, a television series on Disney plus. And there was a game that was supposed to release that got canceled ultimately. And the whole LucasArts getting LucasArts pretty much getting bought by Microsoft. uh, I'm sorry. LucasArts got bought by EA and the Star Wars license reverted to EA and EA had exclusive Star Wars license. And this game got buried. It was a video game called Star Wars 1313. And in Star Wars 1313, you were built to play this kind of underworld, grimy, scoundrel character who traversed the underworld of Coruscant. Now, I love that aspect. I love that idea. I love a video game where you're not playing a Jedi. And I love the Jedi video games. I do. I love Knights of the Republic. I I love Jedi Fallen Order. I think these are amazing video games. But there's a comic book series coming out right now called Star Wars Bounty Hunters and Star Wars War of the Bounty Hunters. And it's pretty much about the run-ins that the bounty hunters and the scoundrels of the Star Wars universe have with each other, right? We always see the bounty hunters like, oh, they're going after Han Solo or they're going after this, but we don't see all of these guys hate each other, right? So I'm building a premise for the Disney Plus show called Star Wars Bounty Hunters. And it's an anthology series in the Star Wars universe that takes place sometime between the events of like the prequels and Solo and A New Hope. And the premise of this is that each episode, or maybe there are a few two or three episode arcs, follows one of these different Star Wars bounty hunters while they're on a job, while they're on the job to collect a bounty, while they're fighting each other. And sometimes we would get like a two or three episode arc 
And I think that would be a really cool series to kind of show like this whole kind of criminal underworld that happens while the Jedi and the Sith, they're kind of fighting these battles that are like much bigger than they kind of need to be. There's, there's something that's a little bit more Mm. baseline and I want to see the underbelly of it all. I want to see the criminal empires of it all. And I wanted to see it set, you know, sometime like maybe 10, 10 years or so uh, before the battle of Yavin, which is how star Wars kind of does. It's, it's, um, uh it's it's timeline it's like it's bc and it's it's ad or like bby which is before the battle again and the marker yeah yeah the death star getting destroyed is kind of the 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 period stopper it's the christ being born so i want these stories to kind of weave in and out uh among each other i want you to come across a lot of characters you know i want you to come across some new characters that you might not be as familiar with do I want Jedi in it? Maybe here or there, but I definitely don't want a lot of it. I want this mostly to be a series of, of, of anthologized kind of episodes and mini arcs that cross paths and show you the underworld of Star Wars. And I obviously you got to include, there's a whole list of characters I'd like to include. Well, first and foremost, you know, Boba Fett's important. Uh, Boba you have Fett. To, you have Boba, to Fett. Boba Fett in there. Boba Fett. Because Boba Fett's important. Han Solo is important. I want to know what happened between Boba Fett and Han Solo. I want to know why why Han Solo is so terrified of him. And I want to know why Boba Fett has this vendetta against Han Solo. We need to see this happen and we need to know why. So maybe there's a three episode arc where Han Solo is on the run from Boba Fett. Maybe there's a three episode arc where, ha- where Boba Fett's hunting them down for one of the first times, right? We know Boba Fett typically works with Jabba the Hutt. So obviously Jabba the Hutt's going to play a big part in something like this, especially if you if you involve the, the criminal empire uh, that the Hutts kind of manage out of. They're gangsters. Um, obviously, just like your pitch, I, I want to use Kira and Crimson Dawn. I yep. think that's awesome. I think that's a very yeah, important like part of the underbelly. untapped resource, yeah. So good. I can't wait for that comic book to come out. And because of that, I want Darth Maul, man. I want Darth Maul, you know, Ray Park doing his Darth Maul thing. Let's bring him back. Let's see. Let's see Darth Maul do some stuff. And then there's a whole bunch of other characters. You want Lando. You got you need Lando. You doing anything with the criminal underworld. Everyone's got to meet Lando at some point. They got to lose a ship to him. They got to lose a card game to him. It is what it is. You're going to have to come across uh, Lando. I want Fennec Shand, who is uh, now he's like Boba Fett's like number two. Uh, in the Boba Fett series and The Mandalorian, uh, played by Ming-Na Wen, for those of you who are familiar with her, famous from uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and she was yep. the speaking voice of Mulan in the original Disney movie. She was also Chun-Li in the in the Street Fighter movie, and uh, she's awesome, and that's a great character, like this um, you know, mercenary sharpshooter who's really great. I want stories involving IG-88, everyone's like favorite murder droid who has been in the series for years and years and years. And people love this guy. Show me some Bosque. I need some Greedo. I want some Bib Fortuna hanging out with Jabba the Hutt. I want uh, Hondo, Hondo on Haka. Greedo. You want, does Greedo have more history with Han than I realize? I think so. I really do think so. And someone might correct me on this. No, I mean, I certainly won't, but I think, I think he does. I, I think he does. And there's so many great, of criminal bounty hunter types out there. And I want to see spice trading and I want to see all these different runs. And I want to see these guys stealing from each other and doing all this stuff because it's so interesting. Some of my favorite episodes of the Mandalorian, one of my favorite episodes of season one is when the the team of bounty hunters pretty much robs the train. And it's so good. It's one of the best things ever. It's a train robbery episode, not a train, they rob a ship, but it's, it's essentially a train robbery episode of the Mandalorian 
And I'd also like to involve Cad Bane if he's still alive. I, I know that it's kind of shaky on whether or not that character's still alive, but he's a Duros bounty hunter, kind of dresses like a cowboy uh, from the Clone Wars. He's awesome. So I just want this show, and I, I don't want it to be super serious. I want it to be fun and silly and goofy and like the right type of goofy dark. Totally. But that's kind of it. It's a loose pitch, but I want no, a Star Wars, it. you know, anthologized bounty hunter show that could very easily work in and around great. your Crimson Dawn idea. Yeah. You said one thing that really called out to me, and I, I think our ideas clearly overlap because yeah, my course. my movies could inspire your series or vice versa. Your series could connect my films um, where we have the Crimson Dawn as a connective element. But this idea of a war between Star Wars' bounty hunters yep. and Star Wars' scoundrels is super compelling. We see a lot of it in The Mandalorian. A lot. I think it's enough to sustain the films, especially if you're centering it around very charismatic characters like Han, like Boba Fett, yep. like Lando, like Kira. I think there's a lot of clout that those characters possess that, possess that people just want to see more of. I think you could even do, like if, if we went with the Lando film or Lando was heavily, you know, really prominent in your series, you could actually do a lot with Sabacc. You could almost do it like a Casino Royale Oh, God. Dude, you know? yes. Yes. I would. I would kill for that episode the card game yeah. that there's something else going on while the card game is going on but the card game is the most important thing happening at that moment because it means life and death beautiful yeah. beautiful sadly mads mickelson is already in the series but well that's true probably you know one what? Of, he's they put some makeup on him or something he's fine one of my favorite james bond villains of all time yeah um by far but oh the chifra unbeatable unbelievably good the uh, I also hear uh, his Hannibal is awesome. I haven't watched it, but I heard it's awesome. Friend of the show, Evan Donnell has been trying to get me to watch his Hannibal for years, and I just, uh, I just, I just can't do it. My brother has been begging me to watch Hannibal, and I have not watched a single episode. And I bet he, Mads Mikkelsen, is unbelievable in it. But I'm sure I, he is. Just give me that CD underbelly of the Star Wars universe. I want to see it. It's fun. It's bad. It's goofy. And you know what? Maybe, maybe we can finally legitimize Canto Blight. Maybe, maybe we can, you know. Um, and his brother is Thrawn. Is that not true? Who? Uh, Mads Mikkelsen's character's brother? No, actor Mads oh, Mikkelsen. No, Lars Mikkelsen plays him in Rebels. Yeah, you're right, okay, man. Yep. So there it is. Yeah, he's the voice. They got the, whole, they got the whole, they got the Mikkelsen bunch. All the Mikkelsens hanging out together. That's that's awesome. I didn't know that at all. But dude, yeah. that's great. Yeah, but so that's my pitch, man. It's Bring Mads of, back again. Bring back Mads. Uh, I, that's my pitch. It's simple, but I think it's something that could really do some really great stuff on Disney plus. Absolutely. Fucking love it, man. Sounds great. We, we once again gave more or less the same pitch. Exactly. And that's a beautiful thing <laughs> because we, like we the enjoy the same things about star Wars. We're tired of the dour old serious Jedi and the Skywalker saga. We want, we want the scruffy boys. We want them good, good scruffy boys stealing shit and getting caught by other people stealing shit. Exactly. And stealing stuff from from each other. It's a beautiful thing, baby. That's right. Well, everyone, that's been our take on the prequels or yes, the, the my, before this, times. This is the most fun I've had with the Star Wars prequels ever, ever, <laughs> ever, because our ideas have nothing to do with them. So Correct. thank you all so much for, for listening. Once again, I have to thank my favorite scruffy looking nerf herder, Jordan Hugh. Thank you for being the best co-host on the planet. I appreciate it. And to the only bounty hunter who's too attractive for a helmet, Mike Stout. <laughs> Well, thank you for that. And uh, we'll catch you real soon. We'll catch you next week with the original trilogy. So as always, thanks for listening. And that was our episode on the Star Wars prequels. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope you enjoyed it as much as a hut enjoys 
dropping people into a pit filled with rancor. That's right. And this episode of How About This, we talked about the Star Wars prequels. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope you continue to listen to our Star Wars series as we continue throughout the month of December and into 2022. Thank you so much for listening, and please go ahead and follow us on Instagram at HowAboutThisPod or Facebook.com slash HowAboutThisPod, or you can like and subscribe to the podcast as well as leave a comment because that makes the show that much more visible. We'll see you next time as we tackle the original trilogy of Star Wars with, hopefully, a very special guest. 